and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast where myself, Paul Muadib, and my good friend Joe Freming uh, do album reviews and talk about our opinions and what we think of it. Joe, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. What's going on that's got you so fantastic? Nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm feeling fantastic, <laughs> goddammit. Are you feeling highly evolved? <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yes, we're going to be talking about the... Um, uh, the uh, oh, uh, the uh, what year was it even? Jesus Christ, two thousand two. Thank you. I couldn't re- I couldn't remember if it was two thousand two or two thousand three. Two thousand two. Um, the album highly evolved by the Vines, one of the 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 bands, the uh, the bands, the the bands that the came bands. out <laughs> came out in the late nineties, uh, early two thousands. Um. Joe, what um, what was your experience when this album first came out, or if if at all any of it? I uh, my I worked at a place called CD Warehouse. Uh, my boss there said he really liked it. Uh, that was about as far as my conversation went with because I, I just uh, you know I was like okay, and but you know at that time everybody suggested music, so I really wasn't paying attention to. It was hard to keep track of all the the bands. Yes. <laughs> so I kind of like, you know, I just found the ones that I liked and gravitated to. So I went, I ended up like with the Strokes and the White Stripes mm-hmm. was the ones. Uh, this band kind of, I didn't really listen to. Uh, mm-hmm. I did have a a baseball game on my Xbox that, or PlayStation 2 that had Get Free on it. So Yes, yes, yep. Yeah, yep. so that, that, that's about it. So listening to this for the uh, review was the first time I actually listened to the album. Yes. So when we talk about the, the bands, we're talking about the Strokes, the Hives, the White Stripes, um, and, you know, that... There the Von Bondies. The, the, there yes. was a ton of them. They were, they were, just, they were all over the all, place. They're all garage rock sounding bands. It just yes. kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, and they not all of them fared well. Uh, no. They had the, uh, I think the only ones that came out were the ones I mentioned, <laughs> relatively successful, which is the Stripes and the Strokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, of all the, the bands that are out there right now, I think the Strokes are really the only ones that are, Still that are still and they're still around. I mean, I know like the hives and I know the vines are still putting out music, but as far as like being like considered like relevant, yeah, it's it's the strokes. It, yeah, they had their cultural moment. It was a nice uh it was a breath of fresh air, I'll say, like when these bands started getting like radio play and like popularity because there was this funk of uh a really long funk of new metal between grunge oh, and this. God. Yes. And but my problem with the the bands is it just felt like it brought me back to grunge again. <laughs> like I was that was probably another reason I wasn't too much into this was because uh, I you know I heard Get Free and it just I've I I've you know there was a so many alternative grungy spinoff bands that it was just like yeah I've heard this. <laughs> Yeah, nope. You know, and this is a that I think that's a valid statement. And you know, I think, and again, I think for me, the White Stripes were different sounding than grunge. Yeah, and, and so were the, the Strokes. And so were the Strokes, right? right the right. Strokes, their first album was like nothing I heard before, and yeah. that's what really made me gravitate towards them. Yeah, that um, was really good. Really good. I now, that, I that was good. So did, so did I. I, I bought that one when it, when it came out as well. And now I apparently am having a Mandela effect because my introduction to the vines was me and my friends, especially at this time in like 2001, 2002, we were recording. We started recording our own music um, and we're playing live shows at this point. And um, we were really big in the music. And I seem to have remembered this differently than what it happened. But now, you know, again, we're talking 20 years ago. 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it could just be whatever, but I seem to how I remembered it in history was that MTV had this reality show thing going where they had like eight bands and were doing like an expose behind the bands. And I, I, I mean, I, to the point where I remember clips of this show. So apparently I made something up or this is just lost in the annals of history because I seem to remember going over to my friend's house, um, apartment, not house, but apartment and watching these things. And one of the bands that was in there was the vines. And that was the one we were always rooting for. So there's some there, there's something there, but I can't find any of it. All I can find is, is that it, at the um, 2003 um, or 2002 um, MTV Music Awards, there was a battle of the bands between the Vines and the Hives, and I seem to remember that th- those two bands were in the were in the contest, and that was supposed to be kind of like the culmination. When I went to look this up, all I could find was was that there was this quote battles of the bands on MTV Music Awards or Video Music Awards, but it was not really a battle of bands. It was just the Vines and the Hives were invited to play. That's not how I remember it. So I don't know. I really, really, really believe, like in my heart, like like to the point where I would go on like trial and swear under oath that there was this reality show. And every month they were like kicking a band off and it ended with the hives and the vines, like legitimately. That's what I think happened. But Uh, apparently I don't know. I don't know. I remember a show like that on VH1. But it was like girl bands and like some tiger lily band one. Like that's as far as I, I, but I didn't watch, I stopped watching MTV. So, I mean, it could have happened. I just, I had no, I wasn't watching it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like MTV was just all reality shows. So I just, I had no interest or it was total request live. And they just played. Oh on God. The I didn't total request to live was the worst. Was the oh. worst. I, I, yeah. MTV, man, we should just do a podcast sometime on MTV. Um, because I think that'd be really fascinating. But, um, so anyways, it culminated on this, on this battle of the bands thing. And I remember being at my friend's apartment and watching this MTV music awards when this happened, which again, leads me the more credence that what I remember being correct, because that's why we watched that music awards was to see the hives and the vines battle it out on, on stage. And, um, I remember the rest of my buddies were really impressed with the vines And I was really impressed with the hives because for me, the hives seemed like they were reinventing the Rolling Stones on their presentation, the way that they were doing it, where the the hives were more like Nirvana. And for me, that was already kind of been done. And I was like, wow, I'm seeing a return of a form of music that is like – so the hives to me were more interesting than the vines – However, when I bought the albums, because I bought both, I really enjoyed the Vines more than the Hives. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I I heard the Hives album that was played. I heard that at uh, when I went to CD Warehouse. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just, like you said, kind of like a rehash of the Stones. And mm-hmm. there's already enough of that already going on in the 90s. So, like, uh, yeah. No, I don't... Uh, I, a lot of that just bypassed me. Like I was in like so many other areas, especially in the early two thousands. I was like all like really into like weird indie hip hop and stuff. So maybe sure. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to rock at that time, which is, like which is fair. Stripes and strokes, but I was mostly like listening to like rhyme Sayer stuff and the Anticon stuff. Rhyme Sayer was great stuff in the, in, the, in that, at that time frame it was yeah. just great stuff. Um, I still listen to rhyme Sayers. Um, and, um, but no, you're, you're right because I had kind of given up on rock, which is why when I, when this whole thing and they saw the hives and the vines, I was like, okay, we're getting back to what rock was because I couldn't stand new metal. Oh God, Uh, that was bad. That was was a, that was a bad time in rock in my opinion. Really bad time. Oh God. Now you have that guy from 
that that Aaron Lewis guy from Ugh. Stained, like he's all like gross. He's like all he had like a hit with like a, a Trumper song or something. It was just like man, I, 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 I get this. That's the bass because he's doing like country music, but it's just like at least make him interesting. If you're gonna shit, if you're gonna like shit on the libs, at least make it interesting. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, honestly, nothing Stain did was interesting to me. Nothing any of those bands like Limp Biscuit, none of that shit was interesting to me. It was just like this is juvenile. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, it's really it wasn't very interesting. It was Yeah, I didn't care for it, but <laughs> I mean, and I will say there were some good bands that came out of it, like Linkin Park. I I I mean, um and Incubus. Um, I remember we, I think you went, I, did you go, we didn't go together, but did you go to that, uh, the, like, was it 1996, uh, the year that, um, Black Sabbath did their first reunion? No, I wasn't there. Okay. Cause that was also when Pantera was doing uh, whatever their, their big tour was at the time. Um, Southern trend. Oh fuck. I can't remember. Southern trend kill. Uh, yes, yeah, other trend kill and opening for Pantera and Black Sabbath was Incubus it was really not really known well at the time. So, I mean, there were some good bands that came that were around that period that I think represented the best of what that genre was. But if you look, none of them stand to the test. None of them are around. None of them stayed. None of them stayed relevant none of that genre really went anywhere. It was just kind of this lull period. It's kind of like what happened like from disco. And then there was like that weird kind of pop, odd pop sense. And then, and then, you know, like then you had gotten to like what modern pop was after disco um, in the eighties. Um, it was just, that's what it seemed like to me was like, okay, this is the lull before the next actual wave of good music. That's how I looked at new metal. Yeah, and It was, you know, didn't turn out to be a wave. It turned out to be a bump, but with like some really good <laughs> bands in it. But yes, yes, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't have the cultural uh, explosion. Like I don't think we've had a cultural explosion in music, especially in rock, like since grunge. Like we have no. Seen, that was like the last gasp. I would say of that. I completely it's agree. It's become thing. it's become corporate rock at this point. It's all just corporate rock. It's safe rock that makes. You know, white collar white people feel like they can be whatever, but it's still really safe. Like it's boring. It's just boring. Um, so, um, this. What was your thoughts? Let, let, let's get into the. Well, let's get in the <laughs> album a little bit here. What was your thought of this album, Highly Evolved? Uh, it. Uh, it was. I could, I could read. It's not a good sign when I can read your influences on each song. Agreed. And, Agreed. Uh, and one of the influences, <laughs> which is no, I'm not even talking about. We'll get to Ringo when we get. To Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm no. I'm wondering if you're going to say the same thing I was thinking. So go ahead and do okay, it. Okay. So uh, this album is very reminiscent, like eerily so. The fact that. I had to put on the album. I thought it was aping just to make sure I wasn't going crazy. And as an album, I hadn't listened to it in over 20 years. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it was very much reminiscent of uh, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, oh. tiny music from the tiny music from the Vatican gift shop. Like eerily. So like there's tracks on here. Like it feels like he's just, he's going to jump into big bang baby. <laughs> so interesting you know the band that i heard a lot of influence of and what i was like who i thought they're ripping off or not ripping off but were really influenced by was oasis no, no, I, I heard, heard a too. lot of oasis in this album yeah. i heard oasis and stone temple pilots which is funny because i looked it up and it was like everybody's comparing it to nirvana i'm like i can i can hear the cobainish but i'm hearing more uh fucking it's tiny music and uh be here now <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 that's a great i think that's a great great point um so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the band um so the band was started by craig nichols um and really they're an australian band um and they were actually 
one of the um, since Men at Work in 1983, they were the first Australian band uh, to grace the cover of Rolling Stone uh, in 2002. So it had been almost 20, uh, 20 years. Whoa, since, whoa, whoa. Uh, ACDC never made the cover of Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. They don't count. No one realizes they're Australian on Wikipedia, dude. So, <laughs> so. I mean, they honestly, uh, ACDC is the best Australian band. And there's on this, there can be no debate. Uh, yes, but uh, go, go, moving on. Um, <laughs> I love what you call that out. It's brilliant. Um, so th- the the thing with them is then they came out. Now I, I'm going to say I in listening to this, I, I've been I got a new job where I drive a lot now, um, and I'm out traveling, um, and so I have more time now to listen to these albums. So after getting through like five listens of this album, plus having listened to it quite a bit when it first came out. So I was very familiar with this album. I decided to then I'm like, I'm going to take a different route and I'm going to listen to some of their follow-up stuff. And I will tell you, unfortunately that none of their subsequent albums ever reached the level of what this is, of what this album was. And this is something that, I think uh, I was going to bring up because I thought it'd be an interesting conversation for us to to dive into a little bit. Yeah, is I, I hear so much potential on this for like them to grow into something like really a lot cooler, mm-hmm. doing something very like interesting. Mm-hmm. Like 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 my I was like when I was driving around listening to this, it's like you know I kind of wish Paul picked like the album after this because I'd like to see where they they took it. And it's not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's not great. Um, there was two singles on it, and it's just here's the problem. And I, I remember this. Um, my 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 ex wife. Um, she was um, from Michigan, and she was around when Tenacious D was really not a well known name, and was just going around touring. And band from Biodome. The band from Biodome. And um, the thing is, you know, they've been playing the same songs forever. And this is what happens a lot of times when you have, like, these amazing debut albums. Um, there's a lot of bands I, I can think of, um, if I could think of their fucking names. <laughs> I can see the <laughs> album cover. Um, God, they did Electric Feel and... Um, Oh God, uh, MGMT, MGMT. They had an amazing debut album, but the thing was, they've been playing those songs for like four or five years and have written those songs and tweaked those songs and did these things. And this is what happens a lot of times when, when bands really come out and, you know, there's, there's considered, uh, at least for a long time with like, um, new Grammy winner or like new MTV music artists. The winner that, of those were like, it was like an ongoing joke that they would never amount to anything. <laughs> they would never amount to anything again. And the reason for that is, is that, and to be fair, like I think about it, like with, 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 with the bands I was in at the time where what we originally were doing and what we were doing live, we had nailed down, like it was really good, but when it came to writing, you know, doing new stuff and writing new stuff, it didn't go anywhere. And that's what happens with a lot of these bands is that they don't think about that. They just go out, you know, they're touring, they're going off their, you know, their 12, their 15 songs and they get picked up and they're like, because they got a couple of catchy songs and then they're expected to record three more albums and they've never considered what that's going to be. And, you know, the idea is, well, if we give them a studio, we give them this, they're, they're talented enough. We're going to, they're going to figure it out. And what we've seen over the years is it, it's very few that have it in them to make consecutive yeah. great albums, which is why those bands are so great and why yeah. those people are so talented. You really need a prolific songwriter in your band. Yes. To make that work. And unfortunately, can, the other people can wall, but you need at least one one person ideally it would be two mm-hmm. ideally it's two stamina to just keep writing and keep doing something you know like 
you're right a lot of bands like they they you know they tour that one album's worth of material and then they're asked to come up with new shit and then they shit the bed yeah and that's and i mean it's just it's what it is and i mean i will again i will totally call myself out on it because over the years i've tried writing more music and nothing i did or nothing i feel like i've done even though i'm better at playing even though i'm better musically i don't feel like what i've written is better than what i wrote you know now what was fucking 20 years ago um so it's just what it is um so and unfortunately for the vines their their major showrunner greg uh, nichols um has some uh as we talked about in our last what was it was our last review the view the view beforehand um where people get you know they um they get kind of sucked up in their own ego and they kind of destroy themselves right we saw and the, yeah. the story of a lot of them, our reviews, Paul. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But we talked about with with uh, with uh, Big Star, yeah. right? Where and for uh, Greg Nichols, he went undiagnosed with some mental health um, uh, issues for quite a few years, and through that, it's to the point where they've gone through so many different members. And he's really the only one that's lasted. One thing I will say that's really cool about some of their earlier works is the song Autumn Shade, which um, they've done four different versions of that. And once the band kind of flipped and got new members, they stopped doing that, um, which is kind of unfortunate. So I thought that was a kind of a cool little thing. Like you'd always get a different version of Autumn Shade when they um, they did that, which Autumn Shade also rips off Pink Floyd, but we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> I have that list as a song I really liked too on this album. It's a it's a great song. It's a great song, and honestly, every version of it. Um, I'll send you the link, but there is someone that actually cut all four versions of it and made a like a uh, like eleven minute playlist of and, and blended the songs, like having them go into one another, and it's actually really really cool, really really well done. Um, so. I guess let's just go track by track. Um, highly evolved. It's a minute 35. I think it's a great opener. I mean, for what this album is, it kind of gets you pumped to kind of, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, nothing outrageous, but you know, not, I mean, again, it's a minute 35. So I think it's just a good opener. Yeah. It's all right. Again, it was like, for me, it's just like, Oh God, this is, this is tiny. <laughs> Yeah, it's very Stone <laughs> so Temple like, Pilots. Just about every track, I'm just like, uh, yeah, Oasis, and <laughs> this feels like the those Gallagher brothers, you know, those eyebrowed motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's not and, bad. It's just it's just the influence art. You can just tell, and so it's, yes, it's hard to not talk about this album and not talk. There's like other a song bands here, and we'll get to it where they are. Uh, they rip off the first half of the riff of Don't Fear the Reaper. Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah, but we'll talk about that. they don't give it the other half, which is so, like, it's, <laughs> like, technically not stealing, but it's stealing. There's quite a bit. There's quite a bit in that here. And um, so then you got Autumn Shade, which I like has, I love that song. I mean, even though there is the Pink Floyd rift in there, yeah. um, the, the Wish You Were Here rift in there. Um uh, and there's themselves off too, like. and and there's a lot of Oasis in there as well. Um, but it's I, I see this is one of those bands where I ap- appreciate their slower songs than I do yeah. their like those are the standout tracks. Yeah, for, that's for me too. It's kind of like when we're with Big Star. Like I really like the slower tracks than the, the, the rockers. Yeah, the rockers and, here is just like I mean, like I get it you really like Cobain and you really like Scott Weiland and you really like the eyebrow brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, from Australia, no. you know, I mean, you're going to rip everyone off. So then we got out of the way, which is a f- fine. Um, it was their third single, um, which I thought was kind of weird that that was a single. Yeah. Um, and honestly, highly evolved was a single, which is like, that's weird. You're going to have a minute 35 song be your single. Uh, <laughs> it's fine short short <laughs> if you get yeah. to fill out that uh that uh that block before you go to commercial you need a minute 35 song there you go 
I guess. I mean, go for it. Um, so yeah, there was there was that. Um, out of the way. I mean, it's again, it's a fine song. Um, I, I I enjoy it. Like it's, I don't hate it. It's just one of those things where it's it's not outrageous. It's not great uh, for me. Yeah. Sun shining. I don't know. I, like at at this point, I'm kind of like things are starting to sound the same. Yep, that's where I was at too. And again, I was just like. Man, this band really should have put Lady Picture Show at this point. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a different, it's a different album. <laughs> and you know, the thing that's really interesting with this is that that song is, um, it's two minutes, and it has like very little lyrics. So it's mostly instrument. At the, you know, it's, eh, and it's just as you said. I mean, you can definitely hear. The Stone Temple Pilots in that one, yeah, and you can the Cobain with the droney, like the, those kind of vocals, and it's just like, yeah, man, yeah. 1996 yeah. is gonna sue you for this if you keep it up. Keep it up, yeah. <laughs> then you had um, Homesick, um, which was their fourth single, but only, but not in the U.S. In the U.S., only got three singles. This was released in Australia as a single. Um, I like this song. Um, right. I, I didn't do much for me one way or the other. Um, which also rips off Pink Floyd, by the way, too. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I don't I like it. because it's Again, they're wearing their influences on their sleeves pretty liberally on this album, which is another it's. I'm just going to say it, it's kind of distracting at times. It's, it's, it's very distracting at times. Very distracting at times. Um, Get Free, which uh, was a um, their highest charting single of all time. And I really like this song. It's a really good single. <laughs> yes, it's a great single. Um, uh, it, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a really good song. 59 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you keep it short and sweet and to the point, you know? <laughs> you don't need to be all frilly on this one. No, I know, you know what? And it's just it's a fun song. It's a yeah. really fun song. Um, country Yard. up with that baseball game I'd play, you know? <laughs> God, did they play this for baseball? Really? Well, on the, like a PlayStation 2 baseball game. Oh. You know, um, like, because, you know, those sports games always throw, like, whatever's popular music on the on the soundtracks. So this was one of them. Oh, that's hilarious. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. This and like the thing like remember the band Louis the Seventeenth or whatever, they had a song on there too. And I think uh, Dropkick Murphy's also had one. I love Dropkick Murphy's. Um yeah. that's a whole nother there yeah. that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um I do remember um Garbage having a track on I think it was Gran Turismo and uh the racing game. And it was like it was really weird. Um because, stupid girl. No, it wasn't stupid. Uh, was it stupid girl? Uh, no, paranoid. I think I'm paranoid. Been a lot cooler for a stupid girl. No, it was, I think I'm paranoid. And it was like it was like a it was like a mix. It was like a mix. But no, it was I think I'm paranoid. That was um that was on the uh um that was on the game, and I, I believe it was Gran Turismo. Um, pretty yes, it was Gran Turismo. Absolutely. Ha ha. Ha ha. And the heaven is wide as heaven is wide. That was another one. Um, so then you got country yard, which I really like. I think this is a great song. That was all right. Okay. You don't feel the same. Fair enough. Like I said, a lot of these songs, it was just, uh, it just didn't really do much for me. You know, it's just like, it's all right. It's like, it wasn't, it didn't hit me in any specific way. No. Uh, it's not that like also, a dig on you because he liked it. I just, I just no. it, that also had a Pink Floyd riff. So <laughs> it's like all their soul songs had like a Pink Floyd riff in it. I was son like, of a bitch! On. I was like, come on, all right, Joe. It, uh, pro- let me, you know what? It also had Cobainish vocals. He did. It did have. We can say that about every track. It has a Pink Floyd riff <laughs> and Cobainish vocals. Uh, all right, Joe. Take the floor because we got factory. <laughs> so I'm listening to this, <laughs> and the melody's just like it's it's so. Uh, I just sticking it. I was like, I was like, God, what song is this? You know, like this happens when bands kind of like 
I don't know if they intentionally or unintentionally, like, but they all sometimes like crib a melody from another band. Mm-hmm. And like, kudos to them because this was like, you know, not one I think people expect. <laughs> but it's basically uh, the, the reggae part, which I, I already have problems with <laughs> white dudes making reggae songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, is they ripped off the No, No, No song by Ringo. <laughs> no. We don't normally talk in between this thing, but you sent me a clip. You sent yeah, me the sent song. You the no, no, no song. Yeah, you sent me the no, no, no song. It's like when me... Ringo started getting fucked up on every drum. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I was like, oh, Christ. Now, what also was interesting to this was it also, there was a song called Factory by Traffic, and there was some a lot of traffic reference, I felt like, on this. Like I was like, oh, man. Like they're even going back as far as traffic and taking some of their stuff, like, like come on, man, you're you're taking some SD Winwood yeah, money. Steal from something people don't listen to, like the Edgar Winter Group. <laughs> Do people ever listen to the Edgar Winter Group? Well, they listen to that Frankenstein song, but after, outside of that, nobody knows what the fuck you would be ripping off. <laughs> So, so yeah, so I thought that was interesting because, yeah, because there's even a song by Traffic called Factory, I believe there was, um, uh, or something along that line. Uh, yes, 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 there was. So, there we go. Um, pretty sure, hang on. Uh, maybe not. I thought there was, there was something. Oh, yeah, Shanghai Noodle Factory. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes, yes, and there's <laughs> references, what? yes. Yes, Traffic, Shanghai Noodle Factory. You never heard that song? Check it out. <laughs> Just like I had never heard Ringo's No, No, No. <laughs> yeah, I'm you... good with Steve Winwood. I, I prefer <laughs> solo stuff, you know. <laughs> you, you need a higher love, do you? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, in the Jungle, I... So this is the Blue Oyster Cult ripoff. Yes. So yes, like it is. Rip- from Don't Fear the Reaper, but it's also has this. It also feels like credences in through the run through the jungle at times, well, and so it's I'm just like, oh man, like, is this reminding me I could be listening to better bands? Yeah, it's. I uh, yeah, I don't know it. I, uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I didn't, they didn't even I have didn't. the fucking balls to put some cowbell on that. <laughs> you know, you know, I have to say, credit will fail where credit is due. He killed the cowbell dead, man. <laughs> like no one puts cowbell on their music anymore. And every time I hear it now, I I, I just giggle. Anytime I hear a cowbell, I giggle. Well, uh, you know, he had a he had a fever, and the only prescription was more cowbell. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> when I'm done with you, you'll be wearing gold plated diapers. <laughs> what does that mean? Who cares? <laughs> um, so Mary Jane, this is this song. So this much. is I hate songs about pot. I, I, okay, I knew you were gonna say that. Um, yes, um, this was Oasis all over. I personally really enjoy the the instrumentation. Like, I think it's a very, very great instrumentation. Um, lyrically, it leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and, but I, like, musically, I think it's sonically a great um, song. The problem with it is, he just says Mary Jane over and over a bunch of fucking times during it. And that got very weary, very, very like old. Um, I've complained about it with a lot of the stuff that we've listened to. It's like, give me something different. Don't repeat the same shit over and over and over. And I believe the world doesn't I, need another fucking song about pot. And you're gonna write I, a song about drugs. At least have the balls be like the velvet underground. Just do fucking heroin. <laughs> that was a, Great songs. That's, that's yeah, so pretentious. That's a drug song I can get behind. <laughs> a seven minute pretentious song about heroin. Yeah. Oh, God. 
Um, I counted even better on Rock and Roll Animal by Lou Reed. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great version of it. And I counted. Um, I believe he says Mary Jane in the song twenty one times. Um, is what I counted. Yeah. So again, to me, that's where I you lose me. Um, I, I mean, I did the same thing with Miley Cyrus. Like you just you fucking lose me. Um, so when you do the same thing over and over and I remember now what's interesting to me is again, I remember having this album. Um, I thought Mary Jane was the final track. <laughs> like I remember Mary Jane being the final track to this. I don't have the CD anymore. You know, Paul, I'm but, starting to suspect like future you went back in time and fucked things around like Cooper <laughs> at the end of the fucking return. <laughs> Could have. Future me's like, nope, gotta make things interesting for the podcast. Let's fuck with history. Yeah, um, because- how it all ends is like you bringing me to some house and me screaming, and that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> I show you a picture of Rick James and you just scream. <laughs> just scream <laughs> the lights go out in the house. <laughs> just <messed up> <laughs> or Billy Ocean, more so. Um, because I gotta be honest, I do not remember these last two songs at all. I have no memory of Ain't No Room. You probably just stopped after the the obnoxiousness of how much somebody loves Mary Jane. I Wait, wink on the nose, <laughs> Joe. I think you're right. Honestly, like I think that's where I was like done because there's, I, there's albums that uh, I've gone to full stops with, like after a certain song, like it's just like uh, I've, I've I've had my fill. I think that's exactly what happened with this one because I listened to Ain't No Room in 1969. I didn't like either of them. Like, 1969 bothered me because of all the songs you're going to make, like a fucking seven-minute song when you've done fucking a minute 35 and, like, one of your singles not even two minutes long, and then you're going to make one of your more generic songs almost seven fucking minutes. That's frustrating. And plus, if you're look, a band already did a song called 1969, and they did it perfectly. They were called the fucking Stooges. <laughs> you're not going to top Iggy Pop and the Stooges. What, you're saying that fucking Billy Corkin didn't do a good 1969? Uh- <laughs> that was 1979. Paul. Oh, that was 1979. Oh, I'm so embarrassed now. <laughs> so embarrassing. Oh. God damn it, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> God, you're turning into Gilbert. <laughs> I'm turning into Gilbert. Son of a bitch, Paul. Fuck, I'm going to go write Momentary Laps of Reason Part 2. <laughs> and I'm going to name it Cats of War. <laughs> War of Dogs. War of Dogs. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I don't. And, and the Stooges. Fuck, yeah, that's another band we got to get to at some point. Fuck, there's so much bands we got to get to. Um, Yeah, you might as well just end the fucking thing at, with Mary Jane because... Sonically, it's the rest of it's kind of boring. Um, Honestly, you probably could have ended this whole album after Get Free. Yeah. I mean, I like Country Yard. I would have put Country Yard in there. I probably would have taken Out of the Way Out and put Country Yard in there and made it just an EP. Um, But, yeah, I mean, this album... Now, we're being pretty harsh on it. Uh, This album, when it came out in, uh, in, in 2002... Uh, won the Breakthrough Artist Single of the Year for Get Free. They were nominated for Best Group, Best Rock Album, Best Cover Art, and Breakthrough Album by the Era Awards. Um, the album sold 1.5 million copies throughout the world through Capitol Records. And by the end of 2003, the album went platinum in Australia. Um, so. Well, you got to remember what. What was popular before this was fucking corn and limp biscuit. <laughs> right, right. Creed. I mean, Where the arms wide open. <laughs> We're not Christian band. Yeah, no, you are. Um, well, let me sing about Jesus real quick. <laughs> yeah, I remember people arguing me. They're not a Christian band. There was this one girl, uh, Amber. Her name was Amber. And uh, she was a big Creed fan, and like would go see them all the time. And um, whenever they whenever they toured, I'd be like, you know, that's a Christian band. She was very non religious, and she just get fucking pissed. They're not a Christian band. They don't like Jesus. I'm like, their songs are all about Jesus. <laughs> People would get mad because I would say that Arms Wide Open song is the worst Pearl Jam song I've ever heard. <laughs> 
so true, though. You're not wrong. <laughs> show me the lie. Oh. I'm not going to show you the lie. I'm going to tell, tell you it's the fucking truth. Um, yeah, I mean, then after this, um, like, you know, Craig, uh, after the after this album, realized they needed another guitarist for whatever reason. So oh, they live just to recreate some of this stuff, I'd imagine. Yes, yes, you're exactly right. It was while touring. They're like, uh, yep, we need another guitarist. I mean, that's um, not common. A lot of even Nirvana did that, and like they actually got a better guitarist than Cobain with Pat Smear. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, it happens a lot. You're, I mean, I think Smashing Pumpkins have done it. Yep, Smashing uh, Pumpkins did it. Yeah, a lot of bands they do do that when they're doing like a lot of bands like even like, like Green Day when they did American Idiot they had yes it. yes only they for brought the live enough. stuff they had, these are like touring guitarists that are just which it's interesting because Peter Gabriel did that and then a lot of the touring members he kept yeah <laughs> bring him into the studio so that was stupid well, he's that a was... solo act it's not like he did that with Genesis like he replaced everybody from Genesis <laughs> with his, the touring band <laughs> wait are we talking about Genesis or are we talking about Pink Floyd. <laughs> God damn Gilmer. God damn Gilmer replacing everybody. Um, so um, then they did Winning Days. And, you know, I, I mean, Joe, I, I, I invite you to check it out and just kind of hear it. Um, but then they got two um, ones on that one. Then they did um, um, uh, Vision Valley and... Like no, uh, that was there, there was one of the songs was used on the game Flat Out Two, um, but it didn't do very well. Um, it was really only short, really short songs. The album itself was less than was just over thirty minutes. Um, wasn't really that great, and, and and at the time they they were playing under the name Joe Dirt <laughs> because Greg just was un unfiltered greg was just unfiltered so yeah they, they're playing a gig at hotels under the name joe dirt with their new basis um so during this time there's like a lot of like turbulence after this with um with the record labels and greg and band members and greg um and it's just it's kind of been that way over the years when everybody else is the asshole it's because they're the assholes Yes, yes. It's a long-standing thing. Like it's never you. You're never the problem, Paul. It's everybody mm. else. It's everybody you. else. The whole world's against me. <laughs> well, and so in 2016, the band changed on changed their their profile picture on Facebook um, to just a picture of of Greg. <laughs> well, if he's and, constant, like why not at that point? Yes. Um, and there was talk about them bringing back the original members of the band because it was going to be the uh, the 15 in 2017. Um, it, they were doing the reissue of Highly Evolved on vinyl for the 15th anniversary, and they were trying to work out to get the original members uh, back in the band. And that, I mean, they got some of it, but overall it was like a hodgepodge. Um of different members that did like the original band a lot of the members were just done with with greg um and then some of them probably just got out of the music industry anyway and like probably yeah. not interested in going back like they probably they have their established lives at that point like uh, i can't quit my insurance business just to go on tour with you buddy <laughs> <laughs> you know like <laughs> very very true very, very true. And as of right now, the band consists of three members, um, and there hasn't really been a lot of discussion. Um, they put on an album not too long ago, um, Miracle Land, I believe it was. Um, and um, how was that one, Paul? Not great, not great. Um, and that's. Like I said, it's just it's unfortunate um, what happens because these guys, you know, again, talented, but they get in their own ways, and yeah. Yep. It's yeah. also, you know, like we said, you know, you play the, you perfect the first album, but you don't have, you're not looking far further enough ahead for the next album. <clears throat> and there's like not a lot of bands that do, but there are like, you know, like I can think 
it's not a lot of bands that last after one album. No, it's very, very rare. It's very very rare. You have to have a very driven, your songwriter has to be very driven and like, you know, like I, when I, you think of like a solid debut album and then like, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, you gotta have somebody driven. You gotta have like a Rivers Cuomo or fuck, even an Axl Rose who is this like, always writing new shit after that, you know, leading up to the debut album. Well, let's look at even someone that we've also looked at with this, with this, uh, let's look at Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Amazing talent, amazing voice that she's so unusual album is probably front to back. One of the best mm-hmm. freshman albums ever. And there was just so much there. And then look at what happened afterwards. Yep. Like she had a couple of hits here and there throughout the years, which is, that's the standard. Like yeah. you still have these people that will maybe write like one really good or two really good songs per album afterwards. And that can kind of sustain them. It's very rare that you have like, uh, you know, the converse of, of who we, uh, we haven't done yet. The converse to city Lopper is a Madonna who is writing consistently amazing albums Oh, time after time after time after time and writing you know i mean madonna had people help her write those albums things like that but yeah i mean for everyone that's another thing you have to be like a driven song yes like like you look at the madonna hell even like like something like taylor swift yes doing this since she was like a teenager but she's uh, had that drive to keep writing new music not a lot of not a lot of songwriters even have that no and there's just like people who are just come like Rivers Cuomo has like he's released like demos because he writes hundreds of songs a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Eno, infamous, Brian Eno. writes and records albums that are, will never be released because it's just uh, so much material. Prince did the same thing. Prince Neil Prince, Young, like, Neil Young, <laughs> Bob yeah. Dylan. Yep. Uh, I mean, and I want to bring up someone. You know, I mean, it's a joke band. You know, it's a, been a joke band for a long time. Journey, right? journey the way you know they kind of went the way of a lot of things where they had a, a decent open M, but then what kept them going having like one song per album that was like the big hit and that just kind of kept them going and or one great song after you know every couple of albums that's what kept them in the in the zeitgeist even that is rare a lot of times you have what these people they do one good album and or they get the one hit you know, that's why there's tons of one hit wonders out there. People laugh at the one hit wonders. I would kill. I mean, I was in four bands. I would kill to have a one hit wonder. I'd kill to be fucking survivor and have Eye of the Tiger be my fucking claim to fame. <laughs> yeah. You're gu- guaranteed income every year with it. It's played all the time. It's in a. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened with the vines is really like. What most I'm like, and even then they were lucky enough to get that great first album. Yep. It's the, pretty much the norm. Yeah. And to give you an idea when they were, when they were touring in, that's why I said they, um, they were doing the same songs. They were touring from 1994 and 2000. They were doing the song factory, um, which was supposed to be one of their first singles back in the day. So again, they had all these songs, they did it, they perfected it. MGMT, I, I keep going back to them because they had all their stuff down to a science. And when they were writing these songs, their first, their, their, be, that is another one of those damn near perfect, or um, out, again, there's no perfect album, but perfect, you know, damn near perfect it's freshman albums. Really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as a freshman album because they were performing those songs for years. And then they got in the studio and recorded it and knew exactly what they'd done and had tweaked it and done things and had years of time to hone those songs. Well, then, you know, I think I've talked about this in the podcast and I'll get off my soapbox. Um, I did get a record deal at one point. Um, I was offered a record deal um, and I didn't take it. Um, it was for $3 million and people go, why the fuck didn't you take it? Because... It wasn't like $3 million free and clear. It was a million an album. And what it was, was it was supposed to be if you were going to give you a million for your first album, then you have to tour and you have to pay us back the million plus like 18%. Um, And if you don't hit that, 
then that rolls over to the next album. So now you owe us two million plus eighteen percent. Yeah. And then if that doesn't sell, then you owe us three million plus eighteen percent. And if you can't pay that back, then you agree to be a session musician for this company to pay back the amount that you're owed. So basically they're not was, giving you three million. They're fronting you three million to record an album. That was exactly right. And so when I looked at the contract of this thing and I was like, no, and this is, that really was me saying, no, that's what killed my band. That's what killed like the band. Everyone kind of went nuts when they heard, I said, no, you know, and, um, um, you know, cause it, it, it wasn't a great deal either because I gotta be honest, it wasn't on my, it wasn't on our merits. It's because I was dating the girl that worked at this record company in New York. Um, so I was like, no, um, so you know how hard it is to actually make a million dollars in record sales and with i mean and part of that not only record sale but and part of that is where you're supposed to be making your money that's where most fans but if they're pilfering your touring money then what's the fucking point and that's where the 18 percent like they're taking the million plus 18 percent and that's what they come from tour well part of that million dollars was also part of the touring money you know what I mean? I mean, it's not, you can't just fucking go to hotel to hotel for free. No. You know, you're paying for that. You're paying for the touring. You're paying for all this stuff. So we, we would have to allocate thousands of dollars in the studio you're paying, but they're borrowing you that money. You and that's exactly and studio time is expensive, very expensive. Plus you have to hire, you know, we'd have to hire probably session musicians to sit in engineer. and do certain things, engineer and producer. Do, Yep, all these things. So that million dollars, I really quickly did the math. Was like a million dollars an album, in you know, in even in uh, two thousand two time, was not a lot of money. No. Um, and especially since we would have to do do all these tours. And again, it, if we had it on our merits, like if someone had said, "Man, your demo's fucking amazing," but this girl I was dating, um was like i really like your song you know blah 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 and i just knew it wasn't there because it just wasn't going to happen so yeah, yeah that's you'd be still paying off that three million dollars i would be living in new york right now like if i had taken that deal i'd be living in new york right now as a session musician as, as not- a session musician probably miserable i mean i would have loved it for a little bit but be miserable yeah. and making because you'd be doing session and a job just to pay rent and i'd be i'd be living poor i mean i'd be fucking poor i'd be living in new york they're taking my money because you know you know they'd have to give me some but it'd be enough to get like maybe a fucking shitty ass roach ridden apartment and i'd be eating on a fucking food shelf yeah, um, you know, like you know how much many sessions you would have to play for over how many years before you'd finally be square on that three million? Uh, that three million plus eighteen percent. It was eighteen <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Just, yeah, that was a bad deal. <laughs> it was a bad deal. So yeah, no. So I walked away. Um, but you know, this is this is kind of what happens. And I mean, um. Well, a lot of bands get screwed on that shit. Like it's like, especially like in the '90s and the 2000s. I remember watching a, a thing on the the Goo Goo Dolls. Mm-hmm. That first album, Boy Named Goo, sold like three million copies. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they got off their tour, it, their contract was so bad they can't they they owed the the studio three million dollars. They didn't get one red cent out of any album sales. Yeah, no, and there, there was there was a big lawsuit about all that. Yep. I remember yep. that. And yeah, this is, this is like how that industry is. I'm shocked it's dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as soon as you know, that's why. Like, I got so pissed off at you know, and I think a lot of people did got pissed off at Metallica when they came out against like Napster and all that shit because there was a lot of artists, David Bowie yeah. included, that was like, "This is fantastic. We can right. control our own output of music." Yeah, um, it, it like a lot of like the hip hop stuff I was listening to really leaned on like peer to peer file sharing mm-hmm. because it got their music out there. So when they toured, people would know their songs, and that yep. was like you know a lot of like you know the Sage Francis people yep. and like and uh, Brian, uh, brother Sage, Ali, brother, brother Ali. Ali, brother Atmosphere. Uh, yep, Atmosphere. Yeah. That's I first got introduced to Atmosphere off of fucking uh, was it. 
was it Napster or was it Bearshare? I can't remember which one it was. Um, yeah, that's when I first time I heard Atmosphere was was through that, yes. and it democratized music in a sense. It it, it really really did. I mean, the, when the you companies think, figured out how to fucking <laughs> they, they're, right. they're figured out to get their money. Right, and Metallica fucking was the fucking bitch boys for that, really, in my mind. Because, again, I mean, I looked at bands like Radiohead. Radiohead dropped their label, and yeah. we're going to fucking put out our own music. So did Nine Inch Nails. Yep, Nine Inch Nails did the same thing. Um, I mean, a lot of bands went and did that because, as you said it, you know, hey, we're going to put out this our songs for free because we're going to make most of our money from touring anyways. Yeah. So now the record companies are losing their shit because they don't have the leash on the fucking they ran uh, out a lot of bands just ran out that contract because they you know, you're but the thing they had the benefits so if you're like Radiohead or a Trent Reznor, you own you own a studio. And right. You, can, you know, you don't have to worry about that cuz you're going to but like a lot of these younger bands like that's, you know. But they saw it a lot of bands started just doing that and they still are to this day like they, the, these labels are just relying on legacy acts at this point well i mean i'll be honest that's how i remember um um uh when i saw sean lennon right he basically his whole album um that he put out on um, parachute i listened to it all for free online um, he he put it out there. I mean, you could go out and buy it, but he also put it out for free to fucking listen to. And so I knew all the songs, and I was like, "Fuck it!" He came around live. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go fucking see Sean Lennon." Yep. Um, so I really enjoyed that album. It worked in his favor, um, and that's John Lennon's fucking kid. And he had, you know, and he well, he was wave- struggling, Paul. Like he's worth millions, up, yeah, you know, almost damn near a billion dollars. Yeah. Between him and Yoko, so it's not like you know he could afford some yes. of that. So let's let's not beat her on the bush. There's some people who can afford to give it away. Yes, yes, that's that's very very true. Um, you know, but I mean, it, so it, that really changed things. But yeah, but I mean, back you know again when I was 2001, 2002, um, you know that three million dollars, sure it looked real fucking tasty. But thank God, you know, between all the fucking drugs and everything I was doing, I was sharp enough to look at the fucking contract to go, God, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> that was a good decision, Paul. I'm glad you made a good, good right. call on that one. Right? I mean, if we'd the... be doing this podcast and you in a dingy apartment in New York. And... <laughs> Dude, I'd be doing it on my phone, not with a fucking actual mic and shit. I'd be like, uh. <laughs> j- janked out on fucking heroin like not oh, enough oh, are, you kidding, are you kidding me i couldn't afford heroin i have to get like fucking i'd be doing crocodile um, <laughs> 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 i'd be shooting up gasoline um so yes um, it's pretty expensive <laughs> well it wasn't in 2002 <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, w made sure to fix that paul yeah yeah w did fix that um so no, I mean, but it did break up the band. I will tell you. I mean, yeah. that was the end of the band. Uh, you know, we we went along limping for a while. We lost some members. We did this, but uh, the the writing was on the wall at that point. Like we realized that was the only record deal that was going to come our way, and we said no, and the shot was over. So shortly after that, you know, we completely broke up and um, quit doing live stuff and doing that type of thing. And again, I I do not. I, there's a lot of things in my life I regret. That is not one of them. Do you know what I also know who doesn't regret something? Neil Young. Neil Young, Joe. <laughs> oh, God, yes. One of my musical heroes, Paul. Like, I love Neil Young. And, yeah. Uh, you know what? I think I want to save this conversation for the next episode. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, let's Because uh, we got to kind of wrap this one up. Yes, yes, and, we do. Uh, and, and, spoiler my next album is going to be a Neil Young album. Oh, oh, all right. Well, let's do that before we get to your plugs. Let's do that. So what's the next album we're going to do next week? Oh, Paul, uh, we've talked about this young Neil Young album before. And I think because of this whole Spotify thing and people are, I keep uh, using this song without even acknowledging, like, I swear nobody's ever listened to the lyrics. It's uh the album we're going to do is Freedom. Yes! Yes! Uh, I love that album. And the, the song everybody keeps fucking up is Rockin' in the Free World. Anyways. Oh, God. 
it's, it's like when of, people were chanting born in the USA without ever listening to the lyrics. Yeah, didn't Reagan try to use that as like his thing? And it's like, yep, really? He did, yeah, yeah. Springsteen he did. was like, please don't. <laughs> then politicians had the respect to be like, okay, we won't use it. Nowadays, politicians just don't give a shit. They'll use it. No They'll more. use it. Until yeah, they have I, to file a lawsuit. Oh, Freedom is such a good album, Joe. Uh, yeah, I figured. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it, but I did ditch my Spotify account because uh, uh, the, the simple answer right now, we'll get into it next week, but uh, simple answer is I like Neil Young more than I like Spotify. Yeah, no, completely. So, I agree with you. <laughs> and there's a lot, there's other options out there for music, so. I, I've been using YouTube music for years. Yeah, I have I've not been, used Spotify for, I haven't been on Spotify. I have always hated their, their, I hated the audio output. I hated the quality of it. I really hated the, um, there's also just a bunch of songs. Like I try to find it that weren't on there. So that, you know, yeah. so I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to use it. But YouTube has like everything. YouTube music has everything. Yeah. I'll, I have Amazon. Nice thing about this. Amazon is like, if there, I can buy an album and I'll get a free rip. And even if that, so if that album's not on Amazon Music itself, if I own it, I'll have it on there. So it's kind of nice that way. Okay. No, awesome. awesome. I get I'll free t- rips on cert. Like I buy a lot of vinyl. And like if I buy a record and sometimes they give me a free digital copy of it. Fuck oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know you have an amazing vinyl collection. I've seen it online. It's fucking, I got to <laughs> see that in person one of these days. One of these days after Voldemort. After Voldemort, yeah. Voldemort's I gotta make, Omicron. <laughs> I do got to go up to Moorhead at some point for work. So, um, yep, absolutely. so um, all right. So, plugs, Joe. Talk to me. What's going on with the Joe Down? Uh, this week we'll be releasing, we'll be doing Cannibal the Musical. Yes. Yes. Uh, Spadoinkle, Paul. Spadoinkle. Spadoinkle. Have a Spadoinkle day. <laughs> My heart is warm as a baked potato, Paul. <laughs> let's, let's build a snowman. We'll make him our best <laughs> let's friend. Let's build a snowman. <laughs> oh, we can yeah, make him tell our not so tall snowman. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to have to sit in a timeout, Paul. You're going to have to sit 20 feet away. <laughs> 20 feet <laughs> Turn away. around. You know the rules. <laughs> Fudge packer? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the trapper. Yeah, so that, and then after that, Paul, I, you inspired me because he brought it up, and I'm pretty sure Brown's never heard of this guy. But we're going to be doing Double Down by Neil Breen. Oh, you're doing, you are going to do a Neil Breen movie. Yep, this oh, first dude, one. That's fantastic. I am so excited. Yeah, I am too. I watched the trailer and I just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. But dude, I am. Have you ever seen a Neil Breen movie? No, no. Oh, you are it, dude. You are in for all. Oh, you're going to, as soon as, after you watch it, you have to message me because that is there. I've seen feeling, I have a feeling it's up there with Birdemic in the room. <laughs> I, you know, I, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's on another level. I think it's on another level than Birdemic in the room. I'm not going to lie. Um, Neil Breen is, is an interesting guy. And I think. Oh, I just, yeah, I'm going to wait till after you see it and we're going to talk because <laughs> Neil Breen is something special, dude. That is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad, like, I inspired you to do Manborg and now Neil Breen. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting because I want, I got to find a way, like, we need to get Pink Flamingo streaming on something so I can get down to finally fucking watch that movie. So I can blow his mind with the dancing butthole yes. and divine eating shit. Shit, divine eating shit. Pink Flamingo. Oh, the woman who like gets raped with a chicken, I think. Yeah, it was a chicken. Masturbates I, with it. I think she masturbates with the masturbates chicken. Masturbates with the chicken. I think that's what it is. It's been <laughs> a long like, time. Like full grown adult and the baby. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's been a long time since I've seen Pink Flamingo and I was never sober. <laughs> that movie is amazing. I love it. Like, I, I like John Waters a lot. I, so. I love John Waters. John Waters is fantastic. Um, so. Cecil B. Demented, uh, I think, is underrated. <laughs> so oh, underrated. That is good. Crybaby's good. Crybaby is so good. Multiple that, Maniacs. Women. That's football. on That's on uh, Multiple Maniacs. I think it's on HBO Max right now. Yep, it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, John Waters is a fucking national treasure. Um, to the point where fucking Lonely Islands brought him in for a song. <laughs> so, 
Awesome, awesome. So yeah, okay. So you're doing Cannibal the Musical, and you're doing Neil Breen. Ah, uh, 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 so excited for that, dude. All right, all right, Joe. Do you want to take us out? No. 